turn to Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Hope ever, did, did everybody gobble till you wobbled on Thursday? <laughs> you know, I ate two plates and uh, I took a two and a half hour nap. And when I woke up, the kitchen was cleaned and all, and everybody was gone. And I, I was like, wow, that's interesting. But uh, yesterday I made turkey chili. I made a 25-pound butterball turkey, and, you know, we didn't even eat half of it. So I took the giant other half breast and chopped it up and made turkey chili. And my wife really liked it last night. Anyway, it was a good time. Amen. We got to, uh, I, I, I stayed up really late um, preparing because I brined my turkey in the cooler for a day and a half or so. And then I, and so I had to get everything ready and I'd done all the, the three pans of dressing that I, that I make and uh, had everything ready and marked. And then so I wrote a list for in case I didn't wake up what time everything had to go in the oven, etc. <laughs> and and then at the bottom I said I'll 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 sleep in unless you need me. And uh, so bright and early, guess who's on my bed, being very gentle and quiet, Harper. And she's like, Papa, hey Papa. I'm like, Good morning, Harper. She said, Papa, can Nonnie make the turkey so we can jump on the trampoline? <laughs> <laughs> That's the trampoline that was supposed to be the Christmas Day surprise. So, of course, she got it the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I want to start today... I'll never really do a series or anything, but it's just coming to my mind. Maybe this should be just a series from now. Christmas is right around the corner. And uh, and uh, so I wrote here at the top, if you can believe. So we'll just call it the Believe Series. And I'm going to... Uh, that may go on forever, okay? So... We'll just start it, and uh, we never we never finish. We just stop and start again. Amen? <laughs> but in Luke chapter 1, I just want to read, starting at the fifth verse, and then we'll talk a little bit about this. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. <clears throat> now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. It's a beautiful story uh, to start the book of Luke, and it's talking about the the uh, coming of John the Baptist, amen, whose entire life and ministry, though brief it was, was just to proclaim the coming of the Lord. Jesus called him the greatest man that ever lived. And, of course, that would exclude Jesus himself, but that's a pretty nice compliment from the Lord. Um, But he says that every one of you, everyone in the kingdom of God is greater than that. So, aren't you special? (laughs) Do you know that Jesus loves you a lot? Amen. Amen. (laughs) This isn't really about John the Baptist today. I want to talk a little bit about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous before God, it said. And that's another very nice thing. They 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 were holy people. They were righteous people. They lived according to the tenets of of their God. And they prayed for a child for many years. And uh, they were old. It says that they were old. And, and uh, so obviously they suffered a lot of uh, disappointment. The same disappointments and frustrations that we all would and, and, and do feel uh, and go through. But they kept believing God. And that's important. Um, Their prayer was finally answered, wasn't it? Their prayer was finally answered. An angel came and he had the good news for Zechariah. And 
what was Zachariah's reaction though? Disbelief. Isn't that something? He couldn't believe it. The very thing that this... Now, these are good folks. These are righteous people. The very thing that they had been praying and believing God for was finally granted and first thing he did was doubt it. He got it anyway. Thank God for praying wives. Amen. Probably because of Elizabeth's faith. I see Michelle over there. That's right, buddy. <laughs> and I know that's true. I know. But we may not unlike Zechariah and Elizabeth, we may be praying and believing God for things. We may be praying correctly, may be praying for the right things with a sincere heart and earnestly praying and asking God and believing. But would we be shocked if we got it? It's a good question to ask yourself. If God suddenly granted your prayer, would you be shocked? Have you made preparations for your prayers to be answered? You know, I remember one time, you know, what came from a time having more than enough to having not enough. And uh, I was like Andrew when I first started out in the ministry. I didn't know, I didn't want to do it to start with. I'm like, Charlie said, hey, this wasn't my idea. <laughs> And I, I didn't have a problem telling God so. And uh, he was patient with me, thankfully. And he showed me. And if any of you have read my book, you've seen some of the things that that process was all about. It was really awesome. But we, we went from uh, just buying cars off the showroom floor and uh, even owning a a little car lot, amongst other businesses and things, to to uh, not to just trying to keep one running that we could share and get get around and get 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 uh, each other to and from work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, and when I started sewing, and you remember that God gave me the dreams, and all those cars were up on the top of the trees, and they were holding them up to God, and I knew that He was telling me. Um, that I needed to take all those car titles from that car lot that we owned that people hadn't paid for. And I wrote a nice letter telling people what had happened to us and how the Lord had saved us. And we signed all those titles and mailed them out for Christmas that year. And I went out and I cleaned out Tavana's side of the garage and made ready for a car. And it didn't come overnight, but eventually I was able to buy her uh, a brand new car and put it in that spot. And uh, that's what preparing your heart and preparing your life looks like. You know what I mean? And we've had 
great cars ever since. That's just a small example, but I can not think of the children of Israel when by faith they packed their bags, by faith they ate that Passover meal, they got ready to go, didn't they? And God came through and they took off. <laughs> but that's what that's what it looks like to make preparations and to believe God. But I think we need to think about that. Uh, each and every one of us need to sit alone in our prayer closet or in our war room or in our quiet time or whatever and think about what we're praying for, what we're believing God for. And think about whether or not we'd be surprised if He answered. Now, there's sort of two sides to that coin because if your prayers are so small that it's things you can achieve on your own and you figure it out well, if I just do this and this and this, I think I can make this happen. That's probably not God. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Go ahead and do it. Whatever, if that's what you want. He don't mind. <laughs> but if if it's God, it's usually something bigger than you could ever possibly achieve on your own. And He likes it like that because He doesn't want you trying to take credit. Amen. And uh, But if you want to... Uh, see what this looks like and feels like. Just try it on. And imagine how you would feel and how you would act and how you would react if God answered your prayers uh, at this very moment. This week. Today. Amen. And if you're not ready for those answered prayers, then get ready. And I think you'll start seeing a lot more greater manifestation of ancient prayers. Sometimes we tell people, you know, hey, prayer is good. All prayer is good. You know, I'm not going to knock you for praying, but you might want to just tweak it just a little bit. Because Jesus said, believe that you have what you prayed for when you pray and you shall have it. And that seems backwards in the minds and hearts of, of evil men. And what I mean by that is the heart of man is basically evil, not good. So that's the world though, not you. You are children of the light. You are children of the day. You are children of God. And your daddy wants to bless you more than you're able or willing to receive. Amen. Amen. Now... There are many reasons why people have trouble believing that. One of them is they never knew anything about a good father. And so it's hard for them to believe that there's one up there above that they never met. When you talk about just the mention of a father that loves them, they might they almost want to spit on you. I remember a guy in that, that uh, Cafe Du Monde in New Orleans one time I gave a Jesus Loves You card to and he... He spit on it and stomped on it on the ground. You never know what people have been through. But there is a sick and dying world out there. And we need to practice getting our prayers answered. Amen? Because 
God is not slow in answering your prayers. When you pray according to the will of God, you know that your prayers have been answered. And if you if you know that He hears you, you know that you have what you prayed for. That's what the Bible says. So why isn't there more manifestation of the prayers that we pray? Because His transmitter is broke? No, our receivers are broke. Are off. Or a quarter turn off. Like I said last week. You know, Charlie and I were talking last week about the shutoff valve. The key on the, the main water line. You know those T's that look, hey, look like a cross. But the, how you just turn it a quarter turn to shut the water main off, you know. And it shuts off the source. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's what we've been talking about. But as much as possible, on purpose, we need to begin to think and act like our prayers are being answered and have been answered and the manifestation is on the way and we need to make room for it. Amen? We need to get ready. And, uh, you know, that's why I tell you all, sometimes when I hear things, I, I, it seems like I'm not excited, but I'm, I, I already knew that was going to happen. I already believed that was going to happen and I've already moved on. I'm ten things down the road. <laughs> so, I already got excited about that one when I prayed for it. You know? Because I knew it was... A, I, I prayed until I had peace and I let the peace of God be the umpire in my heart. I prayed till I got past the flesh and I knew I was in the presence of the Lord. It still had that strong desire in me. So I asked the Lord. I knew it and I thanked Him for it then. Hey... Amen. <laughs> It'll change your outlook. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your day. It'll change your life. And I want to tell you, last week we had a key to the key. And I want to, and, and I want to tell you what the key to this one is, is childlike faith. I have known some people that had that childlike faith. And sometimes I have it, and so other times I'm, I don't, you know, but I want it all the time. But it is a beautiful thing. And let's look at Matthew chapter 18, and we'll talk about that for just a second if y'all got a few more minutes. It's going to be short today. Let you beat the Baptists to the loobies. Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Let me give you some food for thought today. Amen? Matthew 18. Tell me when I find it. Matthew 18, verse 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child... He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. What in the world... It's interesting to me that Jesus used a child to 
teach this lesson. Because children, and we all know some, we, if you can remember, you were once one, but little children, they, while they may be pure and teachable, they are not generally selfless, are they? They are pretty self-centered. A baby is totally self-centered. Doesn't care about waking you up or whatever. Will cry right in the middle of the store. I mean, just you know, chair. It don't matter. Give me what I want. And I'm going to throw a fit until I get it. <laughs> so children are born with this self centered nature it's a, it's actually their nature it's the nature of the devil if you want to know the truth <laughs> although they are protected from hell for a time so don't worry until they're old enough and have been taught enough to make their own mind up about continuing on with the devil or not but it's the parent's job to challenge Satan's claim on their life, isn't it? And that's something that we don't see enough of as well. But Jesus chose this child as an example of humility. Humility is key instead of self-sufficiency because the dominant characteristic of humility, God kind of humility, Bible humility is God dependency isn't it and that's the key is being God dependent is being humble instead of self sufficient we need to be God dependent children are totally dependent upon their parents for love, for wisdom, for protection and provision, and all of the things that God wants us to be dependent upon Him for. And that was His point. All of life's blessings for that child are provided by those parents for a time. And that's what he was pointing out. The humility of being completely in the hands of the God who loves you. Is what Jesus was talking about there. It's a supernatural truth. It can't be understood in the natural. Because it's a spiritual law that's at work. But it is more real than the things that we can see. And people need to understand it. Just like the law of sowing and reaping that we talk about. Jesus used lots of parables. Which is natural things to explain spiritual truths. And this is one of those things. But the path of humility in the life of a Christian. Wouldn't possibly work if there was no God. Would it? Paul said, if this isn't real, then we, amongst all people, are to be pitied. <laughs> but 
if God wasn't real, humility would be foolishness. But because He is real, and it's what He loves, it's a very good thing. If if it weren't for God, Christians would just get run over and taken advantage of by a natural man who has a naturally an evil heart, don't they? Humility is a step of faith for the Christian. And it's hard sometimes. And I hear so many people say, Oh, I, you know, because I'll try to point out their pride um, without just telling them so. <laughs> I usually start with, you know, the, the fact that forgiveness is really not an unforgiveness, is not an option, you know, uh, for a Christian. And, oh, I forgive them, but, oh, I, I love them, but, you know, I hear a lot of buts. A lot of buts. And what they mean is, I hear you, and I want you to think that I am doing that, and I want to convince myself that I'm doing that, but I'm really not. (laughs) The humility that God requires is a step of faith that God, trusting that God is the judge, And that promotion comes from God. And um, look at Psalm 75. Isn't that what it says? Psalm 75. Let's look at just making sure that we have a witness here. Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7. Didn't we go there last week? Or the week before? Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting one, putting down one and lifting up another. So God is the one who gives promotion, isn't He? And that's a good thing. Because 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble. Who wants to be in a fight with God? And that's, that should be a very convincing reason not to walk in pride, not to stay in pride, to learn to, to, to walk in love and to forgive quickly. And it doesn't mean that you're saying everything's okay, that somebody did. Of course, there are terrible things and people do terrible things and it hurts and it doesn't change that. It's not about your feelings. It's about a choice to trust God with everything. He doesn't miss anything. There's so many scriptures that talk about how good people sit and watch these ungodly people prosper. And God over and over again in the Bible says, don't worry about that. I don't miss anything. I don't miss anything. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? When we trust in God and step out in faith, He does provide for everything, doesn't He, Charlie? Isn't that what you were just talking about? It's amazing how God is that way. And you know, every time I start to get concerned about something or fearful about something, which is kind of silly when you consider the the situations and circumstances of some people like Jeff and Ann were just talking about a moment ago. But we'll get to worrying about 
bills and this and that and other things, won't we? And you know, all we have to do is just remember these simple truths. Just open this book and just sit there with the Lord and let Him minister to you because if you really put your trust in Him and cast your cares on Him, you know the problem is we like to play catch with God. Instead of just casting our cares over to Him, we like, okay, now throw them back. Or we go take them back. <laughs> okay, no, I'm giving it to you. No, wait. <laughs> if I don't sit and... If I don't sit and make myself a nervous wreck over this, it may not get fixed. How silly is that? When we have a God who loves you, who isn't lacking for anything, by the way. He said it's all His. And He laughs at those who think that they're so wise in their own eyes. So why shouldn't we just trust our loving Father in Heaven? Doesn't Philippians 4.19 say... That God will supply all of our need. Let's look and see. Because I want you all to underline it in your Bible if you haven't yet. Or put it on your refrigerator because I know it's on mine. and It's underlined and circled. Oh my gosh. Look at, look at this Philippians chapter 4 page in my Bible. <laughs> it's like he wrote another chapter in there. Right? But Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, and an interesting thing, what Paul was talking about there though, and I I love the fact that God still allows me to work and provides for me that way. Um, Not that I am opposed to uh, to taking money for being a minister because God says in the Bible that those who minister should make their living from their ministry. Amen? So I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, that ministers like Charlie and those who have given their lives, God has blessed them richly. But I, just, I rejoice with the Lord that He allows me to work and provides for me that way so that I can, for a season at least, talk to the people that he gives me to minister to about money more and they don't uh, they don't look at me like a crook because they can't say that I'm taking anything because I don't take anything from the church amen so it helps me to talk to y'all about money more and for you to maybe believe me I want I'm sort of like Paul the tent maker you know he <laughs> he did it for the same reason he said I have every right to take money from the church he says but because people's minds and hearts are, are wicked in other words they they're going to accuse him of something he just didn't want them to have any reason to do so but paul was talking about the fact that this church had sown into his ministry and because of that god would take that seed and bless them and meet all of their needs according to his riches and glory amen but so remember that everything you have is in seed form and you need to be participating in every everything that God has for you. It's not to take from you, it's to get things to you. Amen. He's not he's he doesn't want your money, he wants your seed. He's looking for that seed that he can bless and prosper and multiply back to you. Amen. Humility is just having faith in God instead of ourselves. 
It's about, I'm just trying to say it as many simple ways as I can. Because that's why it's easy to be humble when we have made big mistakes, isn't it? When we really screw things up. That's when it's so easy to just go and humble ourselves before God. And, and, but you know, you don't see it quite as often when people have great successes. A little harder to be humble when people are doing really well, when they're prospering and succeeding at something. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. I, and I tell a little story on my mother, and I, and I love my mother dearly, so I mean no disrespect. But, you know, Big Daddy was a preacher, and she loved him dearly, and she was raised in the church. And uh, But... She went away from God for a long time, and and then, thank God, he 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 reestablished that relationship with her, made very solid before she went home. But I remember I would she would ask me questions, and we would sit and talk sometimes. And then she'd cut me off, and I have one sister that does that. She well, she doesn't even ask me any questions anymore. But for a while, she would ask me questions about God. And then a minute or two into it, she'd go, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> okay, but I was, I was uh, something. Mama had. We were talking about something from the past or whatever, and and oh, she was. Uh, maybe it was me. She was telling me how proud she was of me. Actually, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't remember it was that until just now. But but I was saying, well, you know. I just give God all the all the glory, and she goes, "Well, don't give him too much credit." In other words, she wanted some of it, and that's what we do when we have successes, isn't it? You know, we'll we'll be we'll act humble to a degree, but we can't wait to share the parts that we did. <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to. <laughs> But I'll just say this, today, as you pursue what God has called you to do, and to be, and to operate in the gifts that He has given you personally, because everyone has their own unique sets of skill sets, talents, abilities, As you meditate on how to operate in those things and how to live for God, remember who called you. Remember who created you. Remember who has blessed you and who gave you those gifts. Because He deserves the glory. He deserves the credit. He deserves the honor. And as you walk humbly with Him and completely trust Him for every. Thing every day it will impact you it will impact your life and it can start right now I tell people the moment you agree with God everything changes now it doesn't mean that all the wreckage of your life is going to be fixed overnight because it took us a long time to create some of those problems but God has already granted the blessing upon you he has already spoken the blessing over you. He does not want you to live miracle to miracle. Miracles are great when you need one. I hope you get you one if you need it. But it requires a crisis to have a miracle, doesn't it? 
And God wants us to walk in the blessing. So that it will overtake us and, and cause us just like I say. I, I just fall down on my knees so many times. Just right in my living room or my kitchen or wherever I happen to be. And just sob and thank Him. Because He has overwhelmed me with His goodness. And His blessings and His His love. And He wants to give us all of the love and strength and provision and protection that we need. And He's willing and waiting. His, His transmitter is never broken, like I said. It's our receiver. So if we just get back in line with Him and that... That quarter turn is usually just more about humility than anything else. Humble ourselves before God. And He'll lift us up. And He'll love on us and protect us. And It says in Isaiah 26.3 that He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. Because they trust Him. Amen. Matthew uh, 18 where we were before. I think just a few scriptures over in the 10th verse and I'll, I'll just close right here. But I want to... We sing that song to open up our service every week because it just touches me so much and it's always been so anointed. Uh, but in the... he After Jesus had talked about becoming like children regarding our faith and humility in the 10th verse see that you do not despise one of these little ones for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven so you have angels who care for you do you know that we don't worship the angels we don't instruct the angels we talk to God. They respond to God's word. They see the face of God. Amen. But they, you have angels that are assigned to you. That's what, you know, everyone loves Psalm 91. And I am done. I'm just, I'm in, just sharing with you. Amen. But Psalm 91 is a lot about that protection and provision of God, isn't it? It's so comforting to read Psalm 91. We go, it's a go-to, isn't it? When in times of trouble, in times of weariness and weakness and fear. And, and I just want to tell you that it's, Psalm 91 is all really about a partnership, though, between us and God. As we humble ourselves... In faith, He responds with His faithfulness. He assigns angels to encamp round about us as we, when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You see that? Is it, is it possible for a Christian to get out of that hiding place? Out of that shelter? Yes, it is. It certainly is. We have a free will and He will not, He will always try to reach us. But we can get out of that safe place. But it's always there. Just like that prodigal child, that prodigal son, the father saw him 
a long way off, didn't he? He was watching for him. He was longing for him to return. And if we'll do the same, God is faithful. And he will take care of every need for his children. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your protection, your provision, your love, your grace, your mercy, your salvation. Thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you, Father, as we enter into this world's season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a wonderful time, Lord, that people will stop and celebrate you. And Lord, we just ask for a reawakening uh, uh, in the church to start with. We said judgment begins in the household of God. So we just look for... We just look for an outbreak of enthusiasm and love and revival in the church, Lord. And that it will catch on and and provoke this sick and dying world to jealousy for what we have. The only kind of jealousy that is good and healthy. Jealousy to want you, Lord. To see you in us. Help us to be bright lights and beacons of your light as everyone begins to put up Christmas lights and things and decorations all around. Let us be the brightest bulb in the room, Lord, as we walk into a place. Let people know that the peace of God has entered into that room and let them seek after what we have in you. And let us make you the number one gift that we give for this season. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. Help us to be a help to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.